You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9 through 12. And Ezra, the priest and scribe, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. This is the word of the Lord. Fellowship, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. I don't know if you know this about me, and I don't think I've shown you that side of me, but I love to praise God. I love to give God praise, glory, and honor. I love to lift up the name of Jesus. I love to tell God how great he are because he is great and he is greatly to be praised. So this morning when I say praise the Lord, let's everyone lift up your voice and say praise the Lord. Again. Again. Praise the Lord. God is good and he is wonderful and he is greatly to be praised. My name is Joe Cooper, and I'm one of the pastors here at New City Fellowship, and it's my privilege this morning to bring to you the Word of God for Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We just praise your holy name. Father, I just vision you, Lord, setting upon your throne right now, and Jesus Christ at your right hand. And Father, as I pray, Jesus stands up and he's between the Father and us and he is interceding for me as I pray for you this morning. God, I lift up New City to you this morning. I lift up every soul that is here this morning. God, that we would receive your precious word. That we receive your word this morning, God, and that we would allow it to work in our lives. That we would allow Lord, the word to convict our hearts when we sin, that we will allow your word, Lord, to just cause us to be joyful. And the joy is not any joy, Lord, like ordinary joy in the world, but it is a particular kind of joy, Lord, that we want you to give us this morning from your living word. So, God, we ask these blessings this morning. We ask for your hands upon us. We ask that your Holy Spirit may work Upon us, Lord, just like they work for the people in Nehemiah, Lord, to open up our hearts and minds to your word. Lord, that your word may be explained, that we can apply it into our lives and be joyful. So, Father God, we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, Will uh, talked about why we uh, need God from the 8th chapter of Nehemiah. He talked about what is a preacher's responsibility to the word of God. And then he said, what was the people's responsibility to the Word of God? So finishing up this section, chapter 8, 9 through 12, we want to see the effects the Word 
had on God's people. The effects the word had on God's people. So here we see in chapter 8, 9 through 12, that when the law of Moses was read and explained to the people, everyone was starting to cry. People started weeping. They weren't tears of gladness. They were mourning. Why were they so upset? Because when the word of God was being read, they were reminded of God's commandments. The very commandments that they and their ancestors had neglected and rejected. Are you neglecting God's word this morning? Have you been neglecting God's word? Have you been rejecting God's word this morning? They realized how sinful they were. But Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites reminded them that it wasn't a day for mourning and weeping. It wasn't a day for judgment from God, but it was a day for celebration. Let's everybody say celebration. celebration. It was a holy day unto the Lord because it marked a new beginning, the Feast of Trumpets. It was a time to rejoice. My hope and prayer for us this morning is to know that a right response to God's word brings about joyful living. And when we fail to keep God's word, we want to look inward and outward. That's the first thing we do. When we fail God in some way, when we sin, first thing we do, we look inward in ourselves and say, what happened? <laughs> why, why did I do this? Why did I allow myself to do this? And then we look outward, try to blame someone else for why we have sinned. But church, this morning, what we should do is to look upward to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us his joy that's everlasting. It's time to rejoice. I have three simple points this morning. It's rejoice. God's word brings conviction. Rejoice. God's word brings joy. And rejoice. God's word results in joyful living. Rejoice. God's word brings conviction. Nehemiah, the ninth Verse says, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were, people wept as they heard the words of the law. I know what some of you may be thinking right now. Rejoice, preacher. Are you crazy? Rejoice, God's word brings conviction. Yes, rejoice. When God's word brings conviction to your life, it means that the Holy Spirit is working in you. That it is shining light on all our sinful ways. Read you. And it is the Holy Spirit as you hear and as you read the word of God. If you sin against God, it shines light on you. Well, how do we know that these men and women were under conviction of God's word in Nehemiah? Because there are so many examples given in this text. Verse 9 says, for all the people were weeping when they heard the word of the law. Then do not mourn or weep, they was told, and do not grieve in verse 10. And verse 11, so the Levites calmed all the peoples, do not 
be grieved. When convicted of your sins, what are you to do? You are to repent as soon as possible. Repent as soon as possible means to carefully confess sin to God. How many of you, when you sin, and you realize you sin, and you have been convicted by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit that you have sinned, you turn right to God? Or do we hesitate? Do we wait a day or two? Or maybe we continue in sin, knowing that God's Word say, don't sin that way. We are, listen, we have to be careful here. We have to be careful. We need to carefully confess our sins to God. It's such a joy to be in Christ. It's wonderful to be in Christ. Do you know what it means to be in Christ and Christ in you? Do you know the, the, the scope of that? For in him we move and we have our being in Christ Jesus you're not only in Christ, and Christ is in you, but we too, Christ is in us, we are in God. So when we sin, we don't just sin for ourselves. Okay, I sin. You affect other people too. You affect God. You affect Jesus Christ. Listen, church. We are to carefully confess our sins to God and appropriate people. Why would you keep your sin to yourself when God already knows? He already knows. He knows your downsittings, your uprising, your thoughts are far off, and he's acquainted with all your ways. So you can't hide anything from God. He set up a salvation plan that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And that advocate is Jesus Christ. We can confess our sin to God and the appropriate people. And don't leave it there but to study the scripture to learn specific steps to follow, to grow out of sin. I love 1 John. I love 1 John. And often, I thank God for the gift of repentance. You know, repentance is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from Jesus Christ because he died for our sins. He gave himself for us. He took our sins upon himself so that we can have life and have life eternal. So, confess your sins. In John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just don't think that Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he's on the right hand of God, isn't he? Do you think his ministry is over? No. Jesus is gentle and lowly. He is your intercessor. He stands between you and God, because he's already paid the price. He's already buried your sin. You're saved by grace. He knows that you're going to sin. He is the only perfect man that made the way for us. He prepared the way for us. So it's easy. 
Because when you sin, it says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know what that means? You can rejoice that you have an advocate with the Father. You can rejoice that Jesus is in heaven interceding for you right now. He's standing in the gap for me and you. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whosoever conceal his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsake them will attain mercy. The first thing we do when we sin, we don't want nobody to know, do we? We take that sin and we try to hide it. In other words, a lazy person that cleans the house, take the trash and they sweep it under the rug, right? That's what we want to do. We want to take that sin and we want to tuck it somewhere and we want nobody to know about it. We want to hide it. We want to conceal it. But the word of God say, you will not prosper by doing these things. You must confess your sins to God and not just to God alone, but you need to confess your sins to others also because we are in a covenant relationship. There should be a brother or sister that you can tell what happened to you. You should confess to them. Do you know if you are doing something wrong and if nobody knows about it, chances are you'll keep doing it. Nobody knows. It's concealed. It's hidden. But when you want to modify that sin and when you want to put that sin to death, you tell somebody. You tell a brother and sister because you have shined light on darkness. We used to live in darkness, Ephesians say, but we no longer. We don't want to tuck our sins away. We don't want to do that. Hebrews 10, 26 gives us a stern warning. It says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, uh-oh, no longer remain sacrifice of sin. Wait a minute. What did Jesus do? Didn't he die for our sins? I'm not talking about you or us that when we sin, it nullifies Christ's sacrifice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we deliberately continue to sin without confessing, without telling others, without repenting, then we nullify what we personally, what Christ has said for us. We turn our back on what Christ has done for us. We tell Christ, we don't need you. We don't want you. And so the chances of us as being saved are slim to none because you have pushed away Christ and his sacrifice. You have pushed away the only one that can stand between you and God for your sins. So repent of your sins and confess your sins. We need to confess our sins one to another. James 15, 16 says this, and this is why. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed that that sin may be revealed. This person has great power in the darkness that it is. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then, church, we have to be very careful. I mean, you can say amen. I mean, I, 
some of this has to be true. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm looking for you to say amen. Praise God. Listen, it says you need to know the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is sorry that I got caught. It's sorry that someone else knows. It's sorry that my plan, that means that we sin and then we continue to sin until someone find out what we have been doing. So then what kind of sorrow are you feeling when that happens? What kind of grief are you feeling? Is it just because somebody caught you? Because somebody found out? Or is it godly sorrow? Here's what the word of God says. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow or godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without remorse, without regret. Which means you can take your sins to God and confess them and he will forgive you and you have no remorse after that. Whereas worldly grief produces death like Judas after he had betrayed Jesus. He felt bad to know that Jesus was condemned. It says that he repented, but it's not the kind of repentance. It's not the godly repentance like the thief on the cross. It was because he felt sorry in his heart that he has done such a thing. It wasn't true repentance. Listen, church, I know that don't really sound good. We don't like to talk about our sins. I'm going to look you straight in the face this morning, and I'm going to tell you this. I sin daily and come short of God's glory. Hmm? Even on my best day, I think, I sin. We all sin. Is one sin bigger than the other? No, we sin. Christ died for all sin. I'm not ashamed to get on my knees and say, Christ, I sin. That is the provision he's given us so that we would have a right relationship with him. We need to... Listen. So what do we do sometimes? Sometimes because we think that our lives is just not the way it should be. As Brian spoke about earlier, because we come in with our heads down. Or we, come down we come in with a, a heavy heart because this sin is just beating us up. Huh? Or we have a habit that we don't, we don't like and it's sinful and we want to break it. So we're still walking around with that heavy burden. Jesus said, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you know that's what Jesus' ministry is right now? His ministry is waiting for you and me to come before him. And said, so, Jesus, I cry out to you. I can't do it no more. I can't, I can't save myself. I can't stop this sin, this, this habit that, that I have. My heart, I want to do what is right, but it's, it's got me trapped. It's got me, it's got me locked up. It's got me on this merry-go-round, around and around. Every time I say I'm not going to do it again, I do it again. Jesus, help me. He came for people like that. He didn't come for the well or the righteous. He came for those who were sick, 
And brothers and sisters, I tell you this morning, I'm sick. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I need that. And you need that. But listen, God does not intend for conviction to be an end in itself. Huh? We see that in the Word. But the point I like to make here is that God's Word convicts these men and women we see in the Bible. You, if you're not moved by God's Word and you know you're in sin and you see that right in the Word and you're not moved by it, listen, you need to check your faith. You need to check your status and see whether you are in the faith or not. See that you know Jesus Christ. See if you are in Christ and Christ is in you. It is wrong to wallow around in our sin. Don't spend time wallowing around in your sin. It's wrong to be overly self-focused on your sin. Why did Christ die for you? If you're going to wallow around in that, that slop. What we need to do is to look up. Up to our Savior for forgiveness and strength and restored joy. Because Jesus was the word, therefore we can rejoice. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. Hebrews 5.17 and Hebrews 4.14 says, since we have, and you heard this so many times, but we forget, we are a people that forget. Since we have a great high priest who have passed through the heavens, he have blazed away for us. He have set our path. Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is why he can be on the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. There's nothing you've done. This, I have done some incredible things. Some, I shouldn't say incredible. I should say sinful things. I, would, I don't even want to tell you what I've done. I don't want to because it's terrible. And when I look back on it, I wonder, man, how did I? But it's nothing. It has nothing on Christ. Yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. God wants you to come before him. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Come before him. That we may receive mercy and find grace in help in a time of need. We can rejoice because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And not our own efforts are works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So let us not forget looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne on high. Man, when we gather together, when we come together on a Sunday morning, we should be rejoicing. It, we should be rejoicing. It's, it's more than 
having a bank full of money, I know we'd be happy then. But it's better than that. Jesus is better. When we sin, we want to look inward and outward. We want to look inside ourselves, and then we want to look around. But I say, look upward to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Rejoice, God's word brings conviction. Listen, church. The joy of the Lord. Let's look at verse 10 and 11. 10 and 11 says this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portion to anyone who has nothing ready. But this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved for the day of the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calm all the people. Be quiet, for this day is holy, and do not grieve. Next point is rejoice. God's word bring joy. That's only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. You all probably hear this a thousand times. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. The joy of the Lord is a particular kind of joy. This joy does not mean the joy of marriage or the birth of a child, buying a home for your family or a new car or a job, career, or in my case, a new RV. Much as I love my new RV, listen, I love that thing. And it brings me so much joy. Every time I see it, I go outside sometimes, I walk out on my porch because it sits right here and I look at it like, whoo. That is, that is so sweet, you know. When I travel, man, that is, that is so good. It's just, it brings me joy. Even having a, a, a baby, you know, it's painful for the women. I can't talk too much around, nothing about that pain. But when you have a child, right, and when that child is born, you look at that child. And man, it's made up a little bit of both of you, you know. You can see some of yourself there, and she sees something, you're like, wow, man, it's bringing me so much joy. Your heart just beats so much. And even to be your, 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 so much to have someone walk by your side, uh, just to be your, 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 your helpmate, uh, to be your partner for life. Man, it's joy. The Bible says he will find the wife, find the good thing. It brings you joy. You know? All that stuff brings you joy. But listen, those things do not produce joy and happiness. But it soon fades away. As soon I'm going to go out and look at my RV and I'm like, okay, I got to take care of that thing. Keep it up. I got to keep it looking good. Temporary joy. No, here's what I'm talking about. The joy that's mentioned in this text this morning is not any ordinary joy. It is the joy of the Lord. That's a special kind of joy. And apart from him, you cannot find this kind of joy anywhere or in anything that you can buy or attain. Listen, I can't explain why most of the time I'm joyful. I, it's just, it's weird. Why is I'm joyful? My wife has lost her memory. She don't even remember me. 
We've only been married now for four years, but we've been married for 34. I'm new to her, but I got joy. Why is that? I may be broke and don't have a dime in the bank. Just wait to get one of those. You know how you get those receipts that says you owe draft and they charge you this big amount? That can happen to me, but yet I still have joy. Because the joy that I have and the joy that you should have is not on the outside. It's not in no tangible things like my RV or like marriage or like children or job careers. Not in those things. But it's in Jesus. Remember, we are in Christ. Mm. We are in Christ. Think about that. Our lives is hid in Christ. And in God. That's where my joy comes from. It comes from that. I could be in the worst situation, or you can be in the worst situation, but if you are in Christ, you can have joy. Your marriage can be falling apart. There may be death in your family, but you can have joy, and Christ warned us to be joyful when we come to a because he took those weaknesses upon himself, and he has given us strength for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise God this morning. Listen, you want me to find that kind of joy anywhere or anything that you can buy or attain. David said in 1611 Psalms, he said, you make known to me the path of life. Huh? And in your presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 21, for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. This kind of joy comes from God himself. That joy should be the kind of joy all of us should be seeking this morning. Only the joy of the Lord can give us real strength that we need. Jesus said in 1511, listen to what he says here. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy, huh? My joy, we're talking about Jesus' joy, may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's not only that he gives you his joy, but he wants your joy to be overflowing, full, bubbling up of this morning. This joy is only found in Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him. How is your relationship with Christ? Is he your friend? And just start talking. Sometimes when I get up in the morning time, first thing I do if it's nice, if it's warm outside and the sun is shining, I walk around my porch and I just start talking to Jesus. How many of you got that kind of relationship? Or do you shy away from him? Or do you don't want to come to him again because you know that you have sinned 
Or can you just have that relationship with him and just walk out and say, Jesus, praise God, uh, I got this problem. <laughs> no, you're, you're not crazy. Because remember, you're in Christ, and Christ is in you. I got this problem, God. I, I can't shake it. Can you help me? God, I, I'm in this situation where I can't see my way through, but you know what? Your word tells me that you will provide, sustain, and protect me. And that you have given me all that I need that pertaineth to godliness and righteous living. I can't see my way through, but I believe that, Father. I believe that, Jesus. And I thank you that your word is true. For you are not a God that you should lie. Do you have that kind of relationship this morning? Mm. Oh, man. Praise God. Your joy should not be based on circumstance. If that's what you're longing for this morning, if you're longing for the joy of the Lord, that it would be your strength. Go anywhere in the world, do. I don't know about you, but I enjoy my GPS that I have in my truck. We can go anywhere in the world with this thing. Just recently, Brian helped me to recalibrate it or something. We updated it. And so now, I can go anywhere in the world, I'll just program it, and man, it just takes me there. And I just listen to every word of it. It's almost like the word of God, isn't it? Huh? So you, you, you travel by every word that thing tells you. You travel and you follow it, and it'll take you to your destination. So if that's what you're longing for this morning, if you're longing for the joy of the Lord, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to set your, as your destination. You got GPS, spiritual GPS with Christ as your destination. This is what's going to bring you joy. Rejoice, God's word brings joy. Joy of the Lord is a joy that flows from the word of God. Key phrase is the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in the Bible, God's word brings joy. Assuming you and I respond to it properly. When we respond to the word of God properly, it brings us joy. Here's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I ate them. How many, how many of you eat God's word? Huh? How many of you, when you read, you eat God's word? Or do you just scan his word and surf his word? But Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. I ate them with me. He digested them. And your word became to me, because he ate it, it became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. And then Psalms 119, 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great spoil. Treat it like that. But this word is a treasure. It informs us the way that we should live. It informs us about the present age and the age to come. And it informs us that we have the victory at the end. That's why we can rejoice. How do we view scripture and what effect do we let it have on us? And if you like joy this morning, delight yourself in the word. Let your delight be in the law of the Lord and in it meditate day and night. 
And then in Colossians 3.16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He didn't say let the word of Christ dwell in you just a little bit, a little bit of that, a little bit of do you. He didn't say that. He said, but let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How else can it dwell in you richly if you don't read it, if you don't study it, if you don't meditate on it, if you don't memorize it, if you don't apply it into your life? And if you do that, then teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God, it would bring about all those things. And then the joy of the Lord is knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and that your sins has been forgiven. Past, present, and future. Man, that should bring you joy. That should bring you joy to know that this morning. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say rejoice. Paul says again in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, which is one of my favorite scriptures, through Christ who strengthens me. Let us follow what Paul said in Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Paul knew that the joy of the Lord came from knowing Christ Jesus. And for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where does your joy and strength come from this morning? And then finally, rejoice. Obeying God's word results in joyful living. How is your living? Do you live joyfully or do you live drudgerily? Do you hate to get up in the morning? Do you hate to face another day? Oh, boy, here comes another weekend. <laughs> oh, boy, here comes Monday. <sighs> Listen, church, obeying God's word about joyful living. John 14, 21 says, Whosoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me, will be loved by my Father, responsible to God's word this morning that will result in joyful living. A clear sign that these men and women were on the right track is that they responded to God's word quickly. And they responded to God's word and the counsel that was given them. When Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra encouraged them to feast together and rejoice in God's forgiveness, that's exactly what they did. How do you respond to God's word? Do we always respond to God's word by obedience? Let us ask God to help us create an atmosphere in our church where the scriptures lead us to joy instead of drudgery. If I had to ask the Lord anything, I would say, Lord, give us a renewed love for your word. And let each one of us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Church, I think we can start by rejoicing when God's word convicts us and look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the source of our joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength.
And by rejoicing in God's word because it informs us the way that we should be living and knowing the truth about the present world we live in and the future world to come. All that brings us joy. And by obeying God's word because it results in joyful living. If we as a church, New City Fellowship, want to experience joyful living, let us do this. Let us continue sharing with one another what we have. A meal for someone sick, a meal for that mother returning home with her baby, and anything like discipleship groups, like regional community. How about serving others and inviting each other out for fellowship? How about serving others by joining children ministry, set up production, worship team? How about sharing Christ with others, making friends with the outsider? We can rejoice this morning as we take communion. We can rejoice as we make this transition. It is a promise that Christ will return one day. And even though this represents Christ's death on the cross for our sins, it also represents his victory over the grave. But I warn you, do not come to this table if you have unrepented sin. Do not come to this table if you have unforgiveness in your heart. And do not come to this table if you are not living for Christ and you have, made it, and you have not made it right with one with the one you offended. And if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Christ, if you want to seek someone out, one of the pastors, myself or Brian, to further explore that, please feel free to come and talk to us. But for those of you who are in Christ and that he has filled you with joy, the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, then I want you to think about your communion a little bit. And when you get time, take time to come up and participate. Praise be to our God. Let us pray. God, I ask that you would renew our love for you and your word this morning. I pray, God, that we would read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and apply it to our lives. And if we sin, may we not look inward or outward, but that we look to you as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.